to the Beef Watch Podcast. I'm Aaron Berger, Nebraska Extension Beef Educator. For today's Beef Watch Podcast, we will be discussing the article titled Helping Cows Cope with Cold Stress. To discuss this topic, I'm joined today by one of the co-authors, Dr. Mary Jernowski, who's a Nebraska Extension Beef Systems Specialist. Thanks for joining me today. I'm glad I can be here, Aaron. Well, as we record this podcast, we're sitting here in early November, and for the western part of the state already, we've had some pretty cold temperatures, colder than we normally would expect for this time of year, and also had some cold temperatures that lasted for a longer period of time than we would expect as well. This might be a little bit of a warning shot across the bow, so to speak, in terms of thinking about getting these cows prepared for some cold that's to come later this fall and winter. Share with us some principles that we need to be aware of in terms of how cold stress impacts cattle, and what are some things we can do from a management standpoint to help mitigate that? Well, Aaron, I think the, the first thing to recognize is that cold stress increases the energy requirement of the cow, and thus can very easily decrease her body condition or the fat stores that she has, and we all know that uh, we have certain targets for body condition uh, for calving and then subsequent rebreeding. And so really how they fare during this winter affects calving success and it also affects our rebreeding. So setting them up for success during the winter is extremely important. One of the things I think you highlighted there is setting cows up. And let's talk a little bit about cow body condition score and the importance of that, especially at this point in the year, in terms of if we cat cows that are a little thin, what are some things we need to be paying attention to? And then also as we move further into the winter, the importance of cow condition in terms of helping cows to manage or mitigate some of that cold stress. Well, you hit the nail on the head. Body condition score is kind of like an insurance policy. And one of the things that we have to think about is that the lower critical temperature, which essentially is the temperature at which the cows have to start using energy to maintain their body temperature, it's actually affected by body condition. As you can think about it as the fat being an insulator. And so if they have a little more flesh or condition on them, they actually have a lower lower critical temperature, meaning that they can handle colder weather without actually having to use energy to maintain their temperature. So as I said, I think of it as an insurance program. If a cow's in a body condition score four, she's actually going to start using energy or her condition even to maintain her body temperature. Whereas if she was at a five, she may not need to use any extra energy to maintain her condition. So essentially, those cows in poor condition right now are more likely to be in very poor condition later because they have actually a higher, lower critical temperature. So getting the cows up in body condition score early in the winter can be a kind of a risk management strategy to ensure they can handle cold stress later in the winter. One of the other things I think is important to recognize when we're thinking about cold stress, and we'll talk some of the other factors besides just temperature that impact that, but when we look at a cow and we look at how cold it can sometimes get, there's times when that cow physically just probably can't even eat enough to maintain her temperature without using some body reserves. So if we have a cow that's already thin and she's put in a situation where she's having to use body reserves to meet her energy requirements, we can start to really go down pretty quickly 
in terms of impacting that cow's body condition score. Yeah, I think that's really important for people to understand that, especially last year where we had a lot of cold temperatures that kind of coincided with calving, uh, which is a little unusual, but a cow that's lactating already has a huge energy requirement and is already at, at that threshold where she's probably using some body stores. And then you add cold on top of it and boy, she can get drained down very quick. So getting ahead of the game and not waiting until you see cows that are in trouble in terms of their condition score and feeding them some supplement early really makes a lot of sense. Let's talk about two of the other factors besides just actual temperature that impact the cold effect on cows or having them impact or reach their lower critical temperature. These are wind chill and also wet hair coat. Give us some more perspective there on how those two factors can really have an impact on stress in cattle? Well, let's, let's first start with wind, right? We can, we can use wind chill to get an idea of how the perceived, essentially how much the cold is actually draining for potential stores. And essentially what we suggest is actually using the wind chill temperature rather than ambient temperature. But I, I do want to be clear that that's probably a little bit um, conservative in that we know, for instance, a lot of times to say cows in the sand hills, they're, they're not dumb, right? They'll go find a draw, for instance, and they'll hunker down and they'll be out of the wind. So I think it's important to think about, do you have a place where those cows can go get out of the wind? If you do, then using ambient temperature to gauge how cold it is makes a lot of sense. But if you don't, it can have a huge impact. A, a 10 mile per hour wind can make it seem 10 degrees colder, which is, well, let's just put it this way, it can use a lot of energy. So if you happen to be in fields that are really flat, some people in the central part of the state, if they're on corn stalks, for instance, and there's no shelter belts, putting in a windbreak can actually increase uh, their ability to maintain condition because it decreases the need based off of the wind, the need for extra energy to maintain temperature. So I do think it's probably one of the easiest ways to actually help those cows deal with cold stress. It also helps when, you know, you get that high wind and snow, right? It gives them a protected place to hunker down. Let's talk a little bit about the impact of a wet hair coat. And this is really one that can make a huge difference on that lower critical temperature. And I think this is one thing we saw last spring with all the really extended wet, damp conditions that we had where cows were dealing with a wet hair coat. And boy, that really makes a big difference on where that lower critical temperature is reached. Give us some perspective on how much that impacts that lower critical temperature. Yeah, so I think it's one that, unfortunately, we all know it's really hard for us to, to do anything about other than giving them more energy. But wet hair coat is essentially a whole different ballgame than a dry hair coat. So if a cow's a body condition score 5 and she has a dry hair coat, her lower critical temperature is 19. Until temperatures, wind chill temperatures are below 19, she can uh, essentially maintain her uh, temperature or maintain her body without any extra energy. When it gets below 19, she has to start using energy. Well, on the flip side, if her hair is wet 
that temperature goes to 50. So it more than doubled. So her temperature was 19, she was good to go. Now at 50, she has to start using energy to maintain her body temperature. So if we have conditions like last year where we had a lot of moisture and a lot of bouts of cold plus moisture, again, we talk about things that can really suck down conditions very quickly or body condition score very quickly. That's one of them. Wet hair coats is huge. So if you start seeing that you have that weather pattern, it's time to, to get ahead of the game and start actually providing some supplement before you see that body condition going down score because, excuse me, before you see that body condition score going downhill because you're not going to be able to get ahead of it if you don't start early. As I think about trying to mitigate and provide that cow with some additional energy, what are some things we should pay attention to in terms of the form of energy we deliver to try to provide something that really does help that cow based on the feed she already has available to her? Yeah, well, I want to follow up on something you mentioned earlier, which was the idea that sometimes a cow just can't eat enough to maintain her condition. And so one option if the cold stress is mild and you have some higher quality forage, sometimes we can get around it by just feeding a higher quality hay, for instance, and start meeting her increase in her energy needs. I think a lot of people think that, um, well, that cow will just increase her intake. And she can only do that if she's fed a type of feed that she can actually eat more of, which means it's got to be fairly high quality. The other option. I think was what you're referring to is that I could give her a supplement and an energy supplement. There's really two things that people typically think of. Uh, one is corn. For instance, I could feed her some extra corn and that's a fairly cheap energy supplement. The challenge with corn is that I can't feed too much because if I do, I start negatively affecting her forage digestion and actually start decreasing the energy she gets out of the forage. So as a rule of thumb, we basically say we can't feed more than about two pounds of corn. And I think that's probably a good rule of thumb for the typical systems that we have in Nebraska where they're either grazing um, a dormant range or they're on a lower quality hay because we also tend to be in a situation where we don't have a lot of nitrogen available. And so that corn can cause that negative effect on the fiber digestion. So that can work if we have low levels of cold stress or we f we're pretty conservative in that we start feeding it early and we feed it for an extended period of time. Now, if we have a situation where we have extreme cold stress, uh, that two pounds of corn is probably only going to make up on average, maybe if we increase her energy requirements by 10%, so 10 percentage units, let's say the temperature is somewhere around nine degrees Fahrenheit, the wind chill, we can probably make up most of that with that two pounds of corn, but anything below that, uh, we're not going to be able to handle. So another option, which I think most people think of distillers as a protein supplement, I hope, if you listen to most of our extension discussions, distillers is often also a good source of energy. And the benefit of distillers is not only is it more energy than corn, but it doesn't have that negative effect on fiber digestion. So in this case, we can feed 
increasing levels of distillers based off of what we perceive the cold stress to be and the need without really having too much effect on those cows, negative effect that is. Hopefully a positive effect, right? We increase our energy. In my mind, I really like distillers from that perspective as long as it's not super expensive. So I think comparing it, uh, as we talk about, many times we talk about comparing feed sources on a cost of per pound of TDN. I think it's a good idea to do comparing the corn and distillers. But I do think that there might be some times where moving towards distillers, even if it's a little bit more costly on an energy basis, may help us if we have to supplement more. So if the condition's going down and we really need to chuck some energy to or feeding some distillers with that corn rather than just the corn alone or feeding only distillers may make sense. Dr. Janowski, as you talk, think about the cost of these different feed options, where might we consider saying, you know what, the hay we have is such low quality, we got to do a total change in our thinking. We need to provide quite a bit of energy here, and we actually transition cows to a higher grain diet. Does that ever have application in this kind of scenario? That's a good question, Aaron. I, I think the challenge with doing something like that is actually being able to consistently provide uh, enough of a high grain diet. If you have a place you could bring them in, for instance, and feed them in pens, that might be a possibility. The thing that makes me a little bit nervous is if I get in a situation where, let's say I transition cows to a high corn diet and then I have a big blow in of weather and I can't get to them for a couple days. I essentially, I'm going to cause myself an acidosis situation if then I go back and start uh, giving them access to corn right away without filling them up, right? But I do think that it's a possibility. And so it's something to consider for those guys who can actually feed those cows consistently. It may be an option. For last year, I could totally see where that might have worked for some individuals. Uh, trying to find a higher quality feed, like thinking about corn silage fits really nice in this situation for those who have access to it, uh, that are high quality hay that they may have been using for growing calves or even they're thinking about using when their cows are lactating. They may have to start using some of that and figure out something for the lactation diet. Uh, I think it's a, it's a tough call. At what point do you say, I've got to completely get off of this low-quality forage and move to something that's better. Anything else you'd like to highlight as we point towards wrapping this up? Well, I think the number one thing that I want people to understand, because they don't really need to know all the numbers in terms of how much change they're going to expect. I think the big one is they need to watch their cows and watch that body condition score, I mean, at least once every month. And there's going to be those cows, I'm sure everybody has them, right? That they're an old cow or the young cow who maybe isn't in the best of body condition score going into winter. And they need to watch them close because um, those are the girls who are more likely to fall out when we do have cold stress. And you might consider developing a different plan for them. Uh, the other thing is just watching the herd in general and saying, yeah, I, you know, I need to get started now because it's, it's looking like this winter is going to be tough or I, I see what the weather's supposed to look like for the next two weeks. I'm going to go ahead and start supplementing 
and I'm going to supplement them now, and I'm going to continue even after the weather moderates to get that condition back up. That's probably better than trying to feed to the amount of cold stress they have every day. That's a hard thing to do, but thinking about mitigating that essentially that condition loss as you go and staying in front of it rather than waiting until you get behind is extremely important. Well, thanks for joining me today. I was happy to be here. For more information on the article that was discussed in today's Beef Watch podcast, I'd encourage you to visit the beef.unl.edu website. This is in the November issue of the Beef Watch newsletter. At the website, you can find additional information on this topic.